Have you ever seen someone who were working in a job or at a task that you're just like, man, that is the perfect fit for them. Like that, that is their passion and their skills. Like they are gifted for that. And then when you see them, they're just like in their stride. And, and it just makes you excited, right? To see someone do well at something that they're great at. I, I have a friend of mine whose name's Chad, and he is the most organized, administrative individual I think I've ever met. But what I love about him is he is using that gift and that talent to, to, to help out and to serve God. So in, in a couple months, he and some people are starting a new church in Halifax. And what I'm excited about is seeing like, okay, He's really good at administrating and leading and planning. So I feel like all their ducks are going to be in a row. You know what I mean? I, I feel excited because someone who's gifted at administration is using that gift in a way that serves the church. We have some friends, Haley and I, from, from back in Michigan, where they're very like business-minded. They're, they're creative in thinking about ways where they can make money. And they, quote, want to make a bunch of money so they can give stupid amounts of it away. They have a heart of generosity and, and a giftedness in being an, you know, entrepreneurs and business leaders in order to pursue that goal. This week, as we continue our Entrusted series, we're talking about being entrusted with our talents and spiritual gifts. Now, we're going to mostly be talking about spiritual gifts this morning, but I think we need to talk about talents and, and kind of get that out of the way and explain that as well. When I'm talking about talents, what I mean is like the natural abilities that all people just kind of have. Like some of us were just born with a, a natural ability to, to do math really well. And we feel like some kids just have an advantage at school because naturally their mind just works that way, right? It's just a natural talent. Or sports for some people, or music for some people just comes naturally and easy to them. And regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not, regardless of whether you're using it for good or for bad, it's a talent that, that all people have. And I believe these talents are, are God generously giving humanity like the ability to do these things. God is generous in, regardless of who you are, you know, we all just have these, these talents uh, that, um, that each of us has. When we talk about spiritual gifts, we're kind of taking that a step further. When we talk about spiritual gifts and the way the New Testament in the Bible talks about it specifically, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in a, a believer in Jesus and empowers them with abilities uh, that, that are beyond what would just be something that they, they naturally would be able to do. When we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming into someone's life and giving them a certain ability meant to be used for the purpose of building up the church, of the mission of God in spreading the good news to others. Now, this video that we were looking at was, um, was showing us how the Holy Spirit, kind of throughout what's recorded in Scripture, talks about uh, the Holy Spirit and how he moves, how he empowers people, and how throughout history he has come upon people and given them abilities for certain times 
and places to be able to do the work that God wants them to do. Now, most of human history, the Holy Spirit has acted like that. That certain individuals, God said, I need this person to lead or to be someone who helps redirect God's people, so I'm going to send my spirit on them and empower them for the task. But after Jesus' resurrection, something different happened. There's kind of new rules to the game. And we read the account of that in Acts chapter 2, where after Jesus' resurrection, after he ascends back into heaven, his followers are gathered together in Jerusalem for a festival called Pentecost. This is when good Jews would come to Jerusalem and celebrate that the law was given at Mount Sinai. They would get together and it was this big religious festival. And Jesus' followers were together in one room and they were praying together. And what we read is that suddenly uh, what seemed like a, a violent wind rushed into the room and these little flames of fire came and rested on people's heads and all of a sudden they started speaking in languages that they didn't understand. And as you can imagine, a bunch of people gathered in a room all speaking a bunch of languages causes a bit of a ruckus. And so the people in Jerusalem walking by, they're like, what is going on here? Like, it's 9.30 in the morning, and these guys are already past, like, the, the legal limit in terms of drinking level. Like, they're like, they are partying, partying hard for Pentecost. That would be a great t-shirt, actually. Partying for Pentecost? Oh, man. Cornerstonebaptist.ca slash store. <laughs> but what was amazing about this moment in Acts chapter 2 is this festival drew people from all across the Roman Empire. People who who spoke all kinds of different languages or from all kinds of different backgrounds, and they all of a sudden are hearing people proclaim the glory of God and the resurrection of Christ in their own languages. They're walking by and they're like, wait, that sounds like how they talk back home. Like, These people are from Galilee. Why am I hearing my own language? And they're proclaiming the glory of God to them in languages that they understand. And so they're trying to make sense of what is it that happens here. And so Peter, one of the disciples, he stands up and this is what he says. In Acts chapter 2, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he's quoting Joel in this next part. Where Joel had said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So what's happening here is is Peter is explaining to them, listen, this isn't just a ruckus. This is actually the fulfillment of what God has been planning to do for centuries. That he is going to dwell with his people by his spirit and empower all of his people for the work that he calls them to do. It's not just 
prophets anymore. It's not just kings. It's not just the leaders throughout the Old Testament who have the the Spirit of God dwelling in them and empowering them. Now it's anyone who becomes a follower of Christ has the Holy Spirit in them, empowering them for the work that God calls them to do. And this is like the first kind of flash in the pan moment of this happening. And it sounded like them proclaiming the gospel in all kinds of different languages. See, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Ruach, like we heard about in the video, comes and dwells in us. We have the very presence of God dwelling in us. And what he does is he empowers us with what are called spiritual gifts. Now, for some of you, all of a sudden you're uncomfortable because you're like, oh, we're talking about spiritual gifts today. This is going to get kind of weird and out of hand. And there are some of you that are sitting at the edge of your seat and you're like, finally, we're getting to the fun stuff. <laughs> and, and, and part of it has to do with where we're raised or the traditions of the church that we grew up in or have been influenced by, the teachers that we listen to on YouTube. We have, we have different reactions when we hear about things like the spiritual gifts. Some of you are like, what on earth is he talking about? And you're just trying to sort through this for yourself today. And that's why I'm excited to be talking about this. See, we could fall into um, maybe an error of assuming that when we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's only the like Acts chapter 2 speaking in different languages thing. And so all we talk about when we talk about spiritual gifts is the, the phrase speaking in tongues, right? And for those of you who have experience in, in church traditions where that's more common, or maybe that's, that's a gift that you've received and experienced in your own spiritual life, like, f- for some of us, that's all we think about when we think about spiritual gifts. And, and maybe we're hesitant because we don't know about it, we don't know whether I'm supposed to use it, what that looks like. Spiritual gifts and the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us is much more than that. It's much more than just miraculous kind of sign gifts that we see, like like tongues and healings and prophecy and, and words of knowledge and things like that. It's all kinds of ways that the Spirit empowers us. So there are ways that I want to talk about this this morning that I think help give us a rounded out perspective of what spiritual gifts are and what it means for us to be faithfully entrusted and steward these gifts well. So so the first is up on the screen already. Spiritual gifts are given to us by God as he sees fit. Throughout Paul's writings, he repeats over and over and over when he's talking about the spiritual gifts, that these are given by the Holy Spirit as he sees fit. He distributes them as he wants to. So it's not like we order up, all right, I want this, 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 and this spiritual gift, God. Like, light me up. Like, this is the kind of person I want to be, God. Give me this gift so that I can be that person. No, God decides, listen, I'm going to distribute these gifts to people by my spirit as I see fit. And there are a variety of gifts that we can see throughout the New Testament. In fact, there are several lists that Paul uh, kind of lays out throughout his letters. 
And there's, there's all kinds here. So it's much more than like the tongues and prophecy and some of the more miraculous looking ones. But like Romans 12, he goes through and talks about prophecy, but also serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and kindness. Like those things are spirit-empowered gifts that he gives us. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment, languages, like tongues and interpreting tongues, teaching, leading, apostles, miracles, healing, helping. Ephesians 4, he talks more maybe in light of like different roles or offices that people hold where the Spirit empowers people to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And then kind of tucked away throughout his other writings, he talks about uh, people having the gifts of craftsmanship. Like we talked about the guy in the video who uh, the Spirit empowered him as an artist in in creating the tabernacle. The gift of, of celibacy, of hospitality, of martyrdom. Like, this is a great spiritual gift to receive. Thank you, Lord. Celibacy and martyrdom. And voluntary poverty. Paul and and the writers of the New Testament talk about all of these as gifts that were empowered by the Spirit to have. And he says in 1 Corinthians 12.11, very small, fine print at the bottom of the slide here. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So we don't get to look at the list and pick, these are the ones I want, like we're ordering off a menu. But we work together as a body to discern what are the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us? And how can I use these for the purpose that God has them to us for? Let's, let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul was talking about this. Now, before we get into this, Paul spends a lot of time in 1 Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts. And if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, it's all on this topic. And this week, I was just wanting to go through all of it, and Chris is already upset that I'm going to go 15 minutes over, so we can't go even more over than that, right? But read that for yourself this week of, of Paul kind of unpacking this. Because in Corinth, there was something going on. There, there, there was some kind of like obsession with the spiritual gifts, I think, that we can discern as we read the text. Where maybe some of the more kind of miraculous gifts like tongues and, and prophecy and, and things like that were, were what people were really wanting. And they were emphasizing like, you need to speak in tongues, you need to speak in tongues, you need to, you need to show that the Holy Spirit is active in your life in this way. And Paul, throughout those chapters, is telling them like, listen, we've all got different gifts Not everybody is going to speak in tongues. Not everybody is going to have the same gifts. The Spirit distributes them differently to each of us. And it's important that we all understand the variety of gifts we have. And this is how he talks about it. He says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So if we talk about the church as the body, we're all the variety of body parts that make up that one body. He goes on to say, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I think this is an important word for us to hear when it comes to this topic of spiritual gifts. Because sometimes we, we wrongly emphasize like maybe the more miraculous spiritual gifts, or maybe we emphasize the gifts that, that tend to be up on the platform at church. And we like people who can, can teach well and sing well, the people that are really good at, at, at being the, the up-and-front personality. But Paul says, listen, we're not all meant to be a teacher. We're not all meant to be empowered as, with the spiritual gift of, of leading. It's not meant for everyone to speak in tongues. What he's saying is that, listen, we're all parts of one body. And just because I have one gift that you might not have, or you have a gift that I don't have, doesn't mean that I need to, like, I should feel like I'm less part of the body because our spiritual gifts are different. We're all there together. Every gift is important, and we don't need to feel better than or less than because we do or don't have a certain spiritual gift. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. The purpose of the variety of spiritual gifts that we all have are meant for the strengthening of the church and for participation in God's mission of spreading the good news of the resurrected Jesus all around the world. The purpose of the gifts are to be used for strengthening the church and to participate in God's mission. We read Jesus' final words in the book of Acts right before he ascends up into heaven. He says to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to give you what you need to be part of God's mission of spreading the news of the resurrected Jesus. In fact, before this, he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives to you. He's like, you don't have what it takes right now. You need the Holy Spirit to actually empower you for that. Gifts that he gives are meant to be part of God's mission. But also, and Paul goes, hammers this over and over again in 1 Corinthians, is that everything must be done so that the church might be built up. What he means by this is that we use our gifts not just for our own building up, the sake of our own uh, growing in faith in our own walk, but for the sake of what helps and builds up each other so that we can all grow together as disciples of Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the tongues issue primarily. And he's saying, listen, I would rather you speak 10 words in a, in a language that people could understand than to speak a language that no one around you understands. Like, you might be connecting with God and having a powerful spiritual moment, but it's going to build up the church around you if the words that you're saying can actually be understood and what you're speaking from the Holy Spirit can actually be uh, applied and received and heard by those around you. 
He says we should seek the gift of tongues. He doesn't diminish the gift of tongues, but he said, listen, like there's a time and a place and ways that we use these gifts that are going to lift one another up. If we have a spiritual gift or a talent, it's not just meant for our own sense of gratification and feeling good about ourselves. It's something that we're, that's meant to share. It's something that's meant to be used for the collective good and building up of the church. Some of us are timid, I think. Some of us were... Some of us would rather kind of just say this talent or this gift that I have, I would just rather hide it and not use it. I'd rather just kind of sideline myself because maybe it's a gift that I don't really see as valuable or I don't want to be that person or whatever. And Jesus in his teaching in the Gospels talks about these gifts that he gives us they need to be used. They need to be used. We can't just sideline them and bury them. He, he tells this parable that's called the parable of the talents. And what's interesting is that he's not talking about actual talents like I'm good at dancing. Talent means a weight of currency. But that is the word that we got our English word talents like I'm good at dancing from. So it's a little bit confusing, but I think they both tie together and and are very applicable. Where Jesus tells a parable of of a rich man who gives part of his wealth to different servants of his. Where he gives uh, one talent to one guy, to another he gives five talents, to another he gives more. And he, he tells them to use these that God had given him. And so what they do is is one of them goes and he invests this money and and he multiplies it, right? And and he multiplies it tenfold. And another guy goes and he he finds ways to use the money that his master gave him and, and he gets a return on that investment. But then the third guy, he said, well, I was so scared of losing it and I didn't want to do anything too risky, so I buried it in the backyard. And the master comes back and he scolds him and he says, Listen, you had, you had so much opportunity with what I've given you. And you went and you buried it in the backyard. I think some of us, we, we take the talents or the gifts that God has given us by his spirit and we bury them in the backyard instead of using them for God's mission and for building up the church. And when we do that, it's not like we're tying God's hands because he, he can use anybody and anything for what he wants to do. But when we bury it in the backyard, we're missing out on the joy of participating with God in the work that he wants to do. We miss out on the joy of being used by God in the way that he wants to use us. And we deprive the body from seeing our gift being used to build each other up. Excuse me, I'm getting uh, dry up here. Paul's words to us in Romans is that if we have a spiritual gift, use it. He says this in Romans 12. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy 
in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If we have a gift, we're called to use it. Now, one of the dangers that we can fall into when we talk about spiritual gifts. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it, Tom. Um, one of the one of the one of the dangers we can fall into when we talk about spiritual gifts is we can look at those who seem to have talent and all these spiritual gifts, and they can they can speak words of knowledge, or maybe they're really good at teaching, or, or whatever it is. And we look at them and we say, those are the ones who are mature in their faith. It's important for us to recognize that spiritual gifts do not mean spiritual maturity. We could be the best teacher or the best leader. We could, we could be able to like crunch the numbers and be on the finance side of things and be so good at all of those kind of things and our character and our maturity and faith is not there. We need to be reminded that just because we're good at something or God has gifted us in something doesn't mean that we're like top dog. It doesn't mean that we should automatically assume a letter, level of leadership and responsibility as well. I think part of the ways that we often do church in, in North America is like, let's find a guy who can, who can teach well and someone who can do music well and like, we'll throw them on the stage and everything will work out. And, and I think the problem is, is we're equating giftedness and talent with character and maturity. And the two are just not the same. And, and I think part of what we see in all of the, like, the failure of, of leaders in the falling apart of churches, part of it has to do with an overemphasis on the talent and the giftedness and un underemphasis on the character and maturity. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anyone today. What Paul calls us to do, rather than showing our maturity through our giftedness, is he calls us to walk by the Spirit. That it should be our fruit rather than our giftedness that shows our maturity. That is evident of the Spirit's work in our life. In Galatians 5, right, we have the famous passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there's no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, not becoming conceited and not provoking and envying each other. Back to 1 Corinthians, when Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts, he's like, man, I could speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong. I'm just making noise. I could have the most giftedness in the world, but if I don't have the fruit the Spirit is bringing about in me, then what good is it? If I don't have love, if I don't have 
joy or peace or patience or kindness. We pursue fruit of the Spirit as a means of showing this is actually how the Spirit is at work in my life. So we've talked about this. We've talked about how we all have spiritual gifts that the Spirit distributes. We talked about how we're meant to use them for building up the church and for spreading the news of the gospel and that our gifts do not necessarily mean our maturity. But what does this mean like for us in day-to-day life? Like, How do we walk out of here and do something about this? Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, it's great that you're talking about spiritual gifts. Can you like leave the slide up with the list of them so I can figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do? <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <clears throat> Here, here's what I think is, is so interesting about all the lists that Paul has of these spiritual gifts. None of the lists are the same. Which to me, I think that indicates a sense of like, There's not like, here's 12 that we have to pick one that God has given us. That we have to like work through, okay, by the end of the service, I need to know my spiritual gift so that next week I can show up and I'm going to serve in kids ministry because I've been gifted with the handling of young children. That's not on the list, by the way. (laughs) Part of the role that we have as the church is to be able to identify and call out the gifts that we see in each other. That's part of our role together. So part of what we can do in helping discern the gifting that God has given us is affirm what we see in other people. So if you see in someone just this incredibly natural way that they talk about Jesus with people, like call that out and affirm this gift of evangelism that they have. Like, let them know that you see the Spirit's gifting in their life. To maybe give them a bit of sense of confidence of, oh yeah, maybe that is how the Spirit has has gifted me and is calling me to serve. If you see someone who like, just naturally, they're caring for people and they're hospitable and they're always wanting to invite people into their home and share their space and what they have, like call out that gift of hospitality and say, Like, you are gifted in this way, and I'm thankful to God, and I praise Him for it. Because God's going to use you in that gifting that He's given you. Affirm what you see in people. For those of us who are still trying to sort through what this looks like, and maybe what spiritual gifts that God has given us, listen, we're not going to figure it out by the end of the service. I'm not going to send you home with a handout or a spiritual gift quiz, I had to fill out so many of those in Bible college. And and what's funny is the list is always different, right? So I'd get a different result every time. Like, those might be a helpful tool in some ways, but I want to invite you this week, if you're trying to understand how the Spirit has gifted you, spend some time with God and ask Him. Just like straight up ask him. Ask him to show you how he's gifted you. And instead of like just sitting and waiting until like there's some kind of revelation, ask the Spirit to help you and go about your life and serve and love and live out your Christian walk 
And God's going to give you opportunities where maybe your gifting, giftedness is going to flourish. As you start to serve in a way that you've never thought of before, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is, this is natural for me. Like God is, is, is using me in this. Sometimes stepping into things that we've not done before will help us to discover our giftedness. As we keep seeking, we don't need to... Some of us have had very profound spiritual encounters with God where it's been made obvious the kind of gift that He's given us. Maybe you've had an encounter where the, the, you felt the Spirit come upon you and, and you started speaking in tongues. Or, or you, you've had these moments of like, you feel like you have a, a, a word of prophecy or, or knowledge from God. And, and you've had these profound moments. And some of us, we really haven't had that. And, and I want to affirm those of us who maybe haven't had those supernatural experiences, that it doesn't mean that you're not filled with the Spirit. Paul invites us to continually seek the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit and to seek to be filled with the Spirit of God. And whether we have some kind of profound lightning bolt Acts 2 moment or not, the Holy Spirit is going to give us gifts and empower us for the work He wants us to do. Maybe for you as you seek, it's going to mean I'm going to, I'm going to get together with someone that I consider wiser and more mature in their faith to help me help me discern to invite them to look at my life as i try to figure out how the spirit has gifted me and i think part of the work is daily asking the spirit to fill us to empower us in whatever that looks like whatever gifts uh, are are made evident in that As we go from here, there's some, we need to make sure that we are worshiping the giver and in doing so, not worshiping the gift. When we make such a, a fuss about certain particular gifts or people who have certain giftings, it almost becomes like, I'm going to worship or venerate this person because they look so gifted or worship this gift that I feel like I have and sometimes we sideline Jesus in the process. So the invitation to us today is to make sure that we are pursuing Jesus. That we are worshiping Him and not the gifts that He gives us. There are going to be times where worshiping God is going to look like us being obedient outside of our area of gifting. And how many of us have been like, I don't need to evangelize because I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. And maybe you didn't say that out loud, but you're like, well, that's not really my thing. So I'm just going to kind of not do it. There are things that God calls each of us to do that we need to make sure that we're not sidelining that, that we're, we're not worshiping the gifts that we do have to the point where we're neglecting actually worshiping God in every area of our life. Let's be honest, I am not gifted in youth ministry, okay? But I do have fun with our teens on Thursday nights. It's not my spiritual gifting. But I'm glad that God is using um, 
hopefully me and the others in the lives of teenagers in our town. Last thing that I want to land on is, is for us to trust the Spirit. Part of, part of my own journey in wrestling with spiritual gifts and, and, and all that is, is I spent a lot of time in, in Pentecostal circles and in, in certain gatherings and settings where there was such an overemphasis on, on the gift of tongues or other miraculous gifts where I almost had like a pendulum swing the other way. Or I said, like, I don't know about all this. Like, I don't know about the experiences that I had and, and whether that's legit. Like, I know that there are Christians who just completely believe that all of that is bunk. And so maybe, maybe that's just where I need to go. And just be skeptical of, of anything that whiffs of Holy Spirit or spiritual gifts or charismatic or, or any of that stuff. And maybe you're in a place where you're like, I'm... I am so scared that things are going to get weird and make me uncomfortable and get out of hand that I'm just going to keep all of this at arm's length. That I'm not going to seek the Spirit for the gifts that He's given me. That, that I don't want to go there for fear of it getting uncomfortable, for fear of it breaking kind of my theological categories. Maybe we have functionally shut ourselves off from what the Spirit wants to do in us. And I think part of the invitation for us today is, is if that's us, as it's been me in seasons of my life, we need to repent of distrusting the Holy Spirit and saying, do you know what? If you are the God of the universe who's come to dwell in me, you're trustworthy. If you are the, the sovereign king of creation, the, the spirit that hovered over the waters and, and spoke creation into existence, I can trust you for what you want to do in me and the gifts that you want to raise up in me. And we, we put things in place to make sure that things don't get out of hand and our flesh doesn't get in the way. And 1 Corinthians is all about that. But we can't let the pendulum swing in such a way that we functionally become binatarians instead of trinitarians and ignore the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to do work in our lives. We can trust Him in that. So here's my hope this morning. My hope is that through all of this, maybe we'll be able to discover or rediscover the gifts that God's entrusted us with. And that in discovering that, in kind of growing and learning how to use them, in building up the church, in spreading the news of the gospel, we might have the joy of, of being part of what God is inviting us to. Let's walk with the Spirit in that. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you are a good and trustworthy God. You are the God who has come and dwelt among us, who empowers us to a life of following Christ, who empowers us with gifts. And Spirit, I pray that, that You would fill us. I pray for those of us here who we've never thought about the spiritual gifts that You've given us, those of us who have who've, who've kept that at arm's length. God, I pray that You would, you would bring about gifts within us. 
I pray that you would break us out of our comfort zone a little bit. And and, and I pray that that we would be able to encounter you and the work in our lives in a way that draws us close to you, in a way that can be used to, to strengthen what you're doing in this body and this church. And that you would, you would raise us up in our giftings to be able to, to proclaim the good news of the resurrected Jesus in Montague and in Kings County in ways that are only able to be done by the power of your Spirit. Spirit, I think it's important for us to acknowledge this morning that apart from you, we should probably just be staying in Jerusalem. That we need your power to do what you're calling us to do. So help us this week, Spirit, to seek it. And may we find it in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.